0: This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available. Intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com.
1: I changed the format to having four days in a low budget, four days in a moderate budget, and four days in a luxury budget just to see all the different sides of traveling in a country at each specific budget level.
0: That was the clip from my interview today with Ryan Jacobson, who did just that when he traveled around the world for a year and wrote his travel memoir. And we'll answer that question. Who has a more fun, authentic travel experience at those various budget levels? Of course, the pros and cons of each and why you might want to consider creating a structure like this on your next trip. Also, plenty of stories along the way. Here's one
1: it was the night the Boston Red Sox won the world series or uh, one of the games of the world series. And so I was kind of watching that really into it. And then all of a sudden I walked back to my room and I saw a trail of blood everywhere. And I was like super confused about what was happening. And then, you know, I kind of tracked it back. My foot was like tore open. It was,
0: Okay, I know it's not fair, but I'm gonna leave you with that cliffhanger. You can listen to the show to hear the rest of that story. You also hear how Ryan ended up hanging out with Justin Timberlake in a mansion, plenty of other travel stories along the way. Plus, the value of having some kind of written out list of travel experiences you wanna have and the surprising way that Ryan reminds himself to live his list every single day and how that's working for him and why you might wanna consider Setting goals around your travels or setting a framework like this if you're someone who likes setting goals. A structure like this trip that Ryan took might be a great way for you to structure a future trip. The experience of writing a travel memoir, something we also discuss. How a big project like this can change your travel experience on the ground and the choices you make, how Ryan went from totally regretting the trip on day one to having the time of his life, plenty of talk about solo travel, why hostels are definitely for all ages, and the best option in hostels for people who might be skeptical of them. The question Ryan, as a teacher, asks his students the first day of school, it's simple but life-changing, and if you haven't asked yourself this question in a while, might be time to revisit this and much, much more. It's all happening in today's show. Plus a shout out to somebody in this listening community who found the time to follow up and let me know how things are going two months into their trip. I'll share a little bit around that and much more. It's all happening in today's show right now. So buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life. With as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience, how are you doing today, my friend? I hope you are well. I love when I can bring listeners of this show onto the podcast. And we have one today, somebody from this listening community, as you heard at the top, Ryan structured a very interesting trip around different budgets and having those experience at the budget level, the moderate budget level and the luxury level. What was that like on the ground? How did he manage it? How did that turn out in terms of his finances? A lot of lessons learned from this interview and just his experience of living on the ground at these different budget levels. And why, you know, it might not be a bad thing even for the hardcore budget travelers to kind of mix in some of those, you know, luxury and moderate experiences, how you can do that, the impact it'll have on your wallet, all that good stuff. Plus all the stuff I mentioned at the top, plenty of stories along the way. And I really am excited to share with you Ryan's list, how that came about, the genesis of his bucket list, if you will, and how he reminds himself <laughs> every day to live the list, to really go for it. And this surprised me. And, you know, Ryan did all this working full time as a teacher. And that's not something everybody is able to do. So I think that's an important thing to think about as well. We all assume we might have to quit our jobs to travel the world for a year, but maybe a sabbatical or something like that is something that you can pull off. Plenty of ways to structure a life around travel. And I love how Ryan went for it. By the way, if you ever wanna get in touch, of course, you gotta drop me a line. Jason at travel.com is my email. You can leave me a voicemail. If you just find the link in the show notes, very easy to find me, to get in touch. If you have your own story to share, you just wanna check in and say hi please do so. This is a community-powered show. I'm not talking to myself here. I'm making this show for you. And I love to make it a two-way conversation. So please, please, please get in touch. Thanks to everybody that has left me a nice review recently. Those are always appreciated. Now, let me give a quick shout out here before we get into the interview with Ryan to Linus, my neighbor over in Sweden. Well, he used to be in Sweden. He's not over there anymore. He reached out many months ago and he said, I've always dreamed of seeing the world Leaving everything, meeting new people, seeing cities and eating food I've only heard of. That's what I'm doing now. I'm saving up cash and hopefully leaving in the autumn. So that was in the spring. Now, here he is. I got an email from a week ago. He says, hey, buddy, just wanted to reach out again, let you know I actually left alone. In the beginning, I was kind of afraid of traveling alone. Still am sometimes, but it's getting better. But today I've been away for two months. I'm really enjoying my time. Also feels like I have new friends from every corner of the planet. He goes on to say, the world is an interesting place, especially if you come from a pretty restricted and, quote, individual culture in Sweden. says, many thanks again and that the podcast and the community inspired him to take this trip. So, I love it. Love the follow-up. Currently in Mexico. Linus, congratulations. And he's got a pretty cool Instagram, at Linus Adolfsson. He's taking pictures of his postcards from around the world. So, if you want to Say hi to him or meet up with him, another fellow community member. You can find him there. Congratulations, Linus. Way to take off. Way to save the cash. Make it happen. Leave alone. Don't, you know, don't wait for somebody else to go on the trip with you. If you have some travel dreams, even if you're scared of the solo travel thing, you gotta just go for it. You gotta go for it. And we talk a bit about solo travel in this interview today and a lot of other stuff as you heard at the top. So let's get into it right now. Enjoy, and I will see you on the other side. Stick around. I have some thoughts around this question that Ryan asks his students on the first day of every single school year as a teacher. And this is going to be our little challenge today for all of us to answer this question. And I want to just share some thoughts on that in the outro piece. So stick around for that. Enjoy the interview. Let's slip and slide into it now, and I'll see you on the other side. All right. So you're in Disney World right now? What are you doing? there?
1: I am in Disney World right now. We're supposed to come last year for my friend's 40th birthday. So um, that got postponed. I should turn 40 like a couple days ago or 41 a couple days ago. So we came back down. Yeah, a bunch of teachers. So we had to wait till, you know, school got out. But um, yeah, yeah, we're all down here. Disney World without kids is uh, a special, (laughs) special time.
0: It's a blast, man. I worked at Disney one summer. I was a custodial host.
1: Get out of here. Where were yeah. you? Living?
0: I was sweeping up trash <laughs> and uh, oh, the doing all the garbage runs in at Epcot Center.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Can't beat Epcot though. Literally it's right behind me right now.
0: I know about the Disney without kids experience and the Disney with kids experience, but the Disney without kids experience is fun.
1: Oh yeah, uh, you cannot be drinking around the world. Literally, it's like the, the, the best thing ever.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I worked at Epcot, so we we might have done that a few times. You know, the margarita in Mexico, you get the sake in Japan, you do the whole thing.
1: My biggest tip to anyone is never end in Mexico. You don't want the the margarita last. <laughs> you want to get that down first.
0: Nice. So that means you have to. I can't remember. I think Mexico was one of the first countries. So then you have to you have to go counterclockwise. Then.
1: I I prefer to start in Mexico and get yourself a nice little tequila flight or a margarita. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then end in Canada when you're, you know, really trying to get it all in. You end in Canada with a little a little beer, a Labat Blue.
0: Man, I'm excited to chat with you. I'm on the line, of course, with Ryan Jacobson. And I'm about two thirds of the way through the book. I was hoping to finish it before we chatted, but the book again is the adventures of Mr. Brightside. And it's hilarious. So we're going to talk about the book today and this whole trip that you structured. You know, Since we're talking about drinking around the world in Disney, this was a very booze-fueled adventure, I think, in in the style of perhaps gonzo journalism style. I don't know. Is that what you were going for? Were you kind of going for the gonzo journalism? Just talk to me about what you were thinking in terms of the experience and how you were going to... It seems like you had the intention to turn it into a travel memoir going into it. Is that right?
1: I would say so, yeah. Um, I did not have the intention of making it booze-fueled, but um, I mean, I know myself, so I I wasn't shocked that that's what I would end up (laughs) panning out. No, so I did not have um, the intention of doing that, but I did have the intention of, of ideally, the ultimate goal was to write a a travel memoir about it. And so, um, you know, I started thinking that my original goal was to travel around the world, try to go to 12 different countries, for 12 months, all on $12,000. And then, um, as I say in the book, I, I very quickly realized that um, after crunching some numbers that that was not something that um, I really wanted to do or or um, would be able to. You know, I like setting goals and I wanted I didn't want to like, you know, outstretch those goals. So I changed the format uh to having 4 days in a low budget 4 days in a moderate budget and 4 days in a luxury budget just to see all the different sides of traveling in a country with at at each specific budget level
0: and to gradually spoil yourself right, right. yes and then, and then <laughs> was
1: a swift kick right back to <laughs> right back to uh sharing um a bunk bed
0: <laughs> so it was a year but you took a year off from your teaching career, right? You're a middle school teacher.
1: Right, correct. I teach middle school English.
0: Okay. Talk about a contrast of experiences. I mean, right. <laughs> from the <laughs> classroom to this. Give us the breakdown. Were you on the road for a whole year or, or did you come home at any point or how did that work?
1: Okay, so I started, I uh, left on July 1st of uh, 2018. I traveled for about five and a half months and then came home for Christmas. To see my family, I end up staying for about uh, a little bit longer than I expected. I had some visa issues and get trying to get into China. Um, Americans are are given seven days visa free, um, or yeah, visa free. But there's a couple of, of catches. You have to land in one part of China. Like I was going to go to Beijing, so I wasn't able to get into Beijing because I had a layover from Lao uh, to Beijing. So they wouldn't basically, if I got out of the airport, I would have to use my visa. So I ended up canceling my flight home from Beijing and flying home right from Laos. And then I ended up staying a little bit longer instead of going back to China because my round trip ticket got canceled. I instead decided to go down and do Central and South America instead. So I I went to Cuba.
0: Awesome. Well, we're going to hear a few stories from the books so people can get an idea of some of the things that went on out there. And so I have some questions around that. I guess I want to go back to the genesis of the trip because I find this this is always inspiring because it's one thing to come up with the ideas and next thing to actually go to your boss and say, "Hey, I'm taking a year off." And then you know, save the money, all that stuff. Yeah, if you want to share, I mean maybe through your story you could if you have any tips to share around just negotiating time off or you know, everybody's got a different career. Uh, you know, I'm just wondering how it all worked for you, like the lead up to the trip. First
1: of all, it took about a year of preparation of um, planning the trip out, like where I was going to go, what I was going to do. I wanted to, because of the way the trip was formatted, I wanted to make sure that where I was staying on the low budget days where uh, it would be accommodating for low, you can't go everywhere on a, on a low budget. I mean, you can, but I wanted to make sure there was going to be, you know, uh, stories to write and things to do on a low budget. And then the luxury budget days, I wanted to make sure it was going to be actually luxurious. So I had to like plan out where in each country I was going to go and do the low budget, the moderate budget. Yeah.
0: So you could figure out your budget, right? Exactly.
1: (laughs) Right. And, and I I did because of my, I have a background in um, new media journalism. I got my master's in new media journalism. So because of that, I, I reached out to, um, some of the accommodations I have, I kept a blog the whole time of, you know, kind of like where to go and what to do and where to stay, what, uh, what to eat at each budget level. Um, so because of that, I kind of I reached out to some of the more, um, luxurious places and say, you know, would you like to be a part of this? Uh, each, each time I reached out, I would make sure that they knew that I, wasn't going to write anything bad about it. I don't write like bad reviews. I'm more of a guy that writes like, this is what to do rather than don't do this. So um, it really was like a win-win situation for them. If I, if I enjoyed the place, I would write, write about it and recommend people to stay there. But if I didn't for some reason, enjoy it, you know, it was like, they had, they had, nothing to lose. It was, I would keep that to myself. You know, I'm not like a, I don't want to give anywhere bad publicity. It's not really my style, but, um, for, as far as leaving goes, um, uh, fortunately I'm a teacher and maybe a lot of teachers don't even know this, but you, you can take a year off unpaid. Um, I'm a English and social studies major. So I technically could have received a sabbatical because what I was doing was basically, you know, educating myself about the world and I could teach geography. So, um, but I, I wanted to kind of keep that separate, keep like you know I didn't want to be on my school system's dollar when I'm traveling around the world and you know maybe yeah. overindulging. And, and they stuff.
0: read the book and they're like, "This is <laughs> right. this guy. Like, we were paying oh, this guy to yeah. do this. What the <laughs>
1: <laughs> right?" There's probably some taxpayers I wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't have agreed to that. So I just said, you know what? I'll, I would have gotten half my salary. I said, you know what? I'll just. I'll do this on my own. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. So you were able to save money from the luxury places, I guess, by having the the blog, venture12.com, by the way, which we mentioned, we can mention that again. Yeah. Do you have any idea how much you spent over
1: the year? Um, you know, I get that, I get asked that question a lot. No. Um, because, because of all of the, I, I want to say uh, hookups that I received, it's, it's hard. If a normal. It's skewed, yeah. Yeah, and so what I the, the goal behind it was to for the average everyday worker, if they want to like go on a week, or, uh, say a ten day trip, um, instead of like spending all ten days in like a moderately priced, just like okay place, you know, overindulge like overindulge a few nights, stay at a really luxurious luxurious place, but then maybe uh, save some money at the beginning of the trip. And by saving money doesn't mean staying in like a place that is is dirty and grungy. It just means like think of all, you know, alternative ways of staying somewhere where you're saving some money. And so ideally averaged out, it should you shouldn't be spending any more money than you would be spending if you stayed at a moderate resort the whole time. So it's kind of like travel like a rock star on a working man's budget, you know, so it feel like. The final few days, just go all out. If you save some money, if you cut some corners at the beginning of the trip,
0: yeah, makes sense. Well, we are going to get eventually to this question of because I I know this is a big question you were asking in the book, who truly has more fun, authentic travel experience when it comes to travel. And I, I thought this was fascinating when I, you know, when you joined the whole premium passport thing and I found uh, your blog and I was like, oh, this is cool. He he really went out and experienced this back to back to back in each place the low-budget, moderate, and luxury budget, and spending 12 days in a place is a pretty good amount of time, and then experiencing that on those different budgets, I, I feel like there's a lot of insight to uh, pick out from from that. So I do want to get into that. I, I wanted to ask you about the the memoir. The question I had was, do you think that the intention of writing a travel memoir about your trip... Caused you, forced you, or got you more motivated to get out and do some crazier things than you normally would have done? Because you're just like, hey, man, I got to have something to write about. So I'm just going to throw myself into these situations and see what happens. <laughs> um,
1: I, I actually do think that that was part of the reason. But another reason is that, you know, I started each in each country, I would start at hostels. And I was a, a solo traveler, at, I was 38 years old. And I would meet all of these people in the hostels and they'd be like, Ryan, we're doing this. Come with us. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't think so. I'm like exhausted. <laughs> and then they're like, you're coming with us, dude. And so I would go and do all of those things that basically the people at the hostels planned out. I didn't really have like a set itinerary of what I was going to do in each city or each country. But being in the environment of a hostile environment, it's it was like so easy to be like, all right, I got to do this. This will this will make a great story. And then <laughs> as the 12 days went on, I would be able to kind of chill out a little bit more because, you know, at the luxury resorts, I don't have people reaching out to me saying, hey, dude, you want to come to these waterfalls with us? You know, at the luxury resorts, people kind of mind their own business and keep to them themselves. But at the hostels, it's like, you don't even really have a choice. Like, if you want to be kind of in the in, the in crowd, you gotta you gotta go to the you gotta go to the waterfalls.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember being in Rome, and uh, I had done like a walking tour the day before, and then I met a bunch of people in the hostel, and they were like, "Hey, we're gonna do this walking tour," and I was like, "I just did it yesterday. I'm not doing it." And they're like, "You're doing it," and I'm like, "I'm not doing it. I just did it yesterday." They're like, "You're doing it." I'm like, "All right, I'm doing it. <laughs> you gotta do it. <laughs> I'll go on it again just to hang out with." You lovely folks.
1: It's like peer pressure central in hostels, in a good way.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, you're not twisting my arm too bad.
1: You know? Right. So, yeah, that's what really led me to most of the experiences, you know, in the in the book is like the experiences that I didn't plan were the ones that ended up kind of being like some of the best things that I did. And most of that is because of staying in the hostels and just kind of following the crowd.
0: Let's take a brief pause. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos, and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday for your favorite streaming services, go to usbank.com/altitude go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big And enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Let's get back to the show. Well, it sounds like the beginning was a bit rough (laughs) because I have a quote from the book at the beginning of the trip. Uh, you said, never have I regretted anything more in my life than in this moment. Why did I leave my perfect life back home? I left a great job, amazing friends, a loving, supportive family, and perhaps most importantly, a very comfortable bed to travel around the world all by myself. Yeah, what happened?
1: First, <laughs> the first night was a little was a little rough. I um I arrived a little bit late to where I was supposed to check in. You know, I wanted to try to be as dramatic as I could with the uh, the low budget, the moderate budget, and the luxury budget. So I was staying at uh, Banana Eco Camp, amazing place. I literally can't recommend it enough. Um, but it's in the Azores, so you know I made a few friends while on the airplane. Over, had a couple beers, and I. <laughs> Um ended up being like super late to check into the place and they were already closed. And so I I basically instead of having this really cool like TP log cabin, I had to end up staying in like a, a tent in the like the middle of a of a jungle. <laughs> and I got in there super late at night, and then it started pouring out. So I'm lying there in the middle of like this banana eco jungle, and I all of a sudden it started pouring rain. I'm soaking wet. I can't find anything. I'm everything is that I bought is like is lost or it's dark. I can't see. So yeah, that first night was like, I was like, why did I do this? And then as I went to bed that night, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, I promised myself I chose to do this. I wanted to do this. This was a goal of mine. I'm, this is the saddest I'm going to be throughout the whole year. This is the most, you know, pessimistic i'm going to be there throughout the whole year and you know the the book's called the adventures of mr brightside i try to keep a positive attitude
0: and you love the song mr brightside
1: I'm yeah pretty you can say i'm it's safe to say i'm pretty obsessed with the killers <laughs> but yeah mr brightside is is my favorite song yeah so <laughs> there's <laughs> multiple meanings behind it but
0: yeah yeah so in that moment i mean were you you weren't close at all to abandoning ship were you like hey i'm just forget it I'm done oh yeah
1: no 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 this was <laughs> this was gonna happen whether I liked it or not <laughs> yeah
0: you know and some of these things that happened to you like Sri Lanka seemed like a rough kind of a rough
1: yeah that's all three of the chapters in Sri Lanka start with death.
0: <laughs> yeah I mean talk about kind of what happened there okay so as I've been reading the book it's been great because I haven't taken a trip like the one you took and you wrote about in such a, a long time, it feels. So it got me back on the road in some ways, virtually. Yeah, so I, I do re- recommend the book. It's, it's funny and, and fun, man. And uh, yeah, so it's been, it's been great to kind of go on the ride with you. And then we got to Sri Lanka. I say we, because I was reading along. <laughs> I was just like, oh man, this is... This is not going well for Ryan.
1: <laughs> there was a He's there was bleeding a rough,
0: everywhere. Like, what is going on? Threat. So, um,
1: I I had just come out of a month in in India, and I came from India. I took a little break. I went to Oktoberfest. So, I came from India from by way of Oktoberfest, which it's like talk about a culture shock going from literally Oktoberfest wearing my leader hosen right to to into New Delhi, India. It was like a, a big, huge uh culture shock. So I did the month in India and then I was thinking all oh, right, Sri Lanka is going to be a piece of cake. And it it really was compared to, you know, the uh, the stresses of India. Uh which I loved. I love India, but it's it's not really I wouldn't say easy traveling, you know. So I was thinking I was come would come to Sri Lanka and kind of chill out a little bit. <laughs> and each situation that I had in same almost the same thing in Belize. It was um like uh, one time I had we went on to a tea like a, a tea plantation and it started downpouring and so we're running from the tea plantation to our uh, our hotel and you know it, you might as well not even run because it was raining so hard that it was not gonna not gonna do anything for you and so we were just drenched from head to toe by the time we got there it was the night the Boston Red Sox won the World Series and or uh, one of the games of the world series. And so I was kind of watching that really into it. And then all of a sudden I walked back to my room and I saw a trail of blood everywhere. And I was like super confused about what was happening. And then, you know, I kind of tracked it back. My foot was like tore open. Um, And it was uh, a blood sucking leech had been attached to my foot during the, the rainstorm and the leech was like on the other side of the hotel lobby. It, it had already got its, got its full and it was like <laughs> heading back to the jungle. And so I, my, like my, to, my like toe was like shredded because of the leech. I had no idea it was on me the whole time. That's just one of the, uh, the situations I found myself in, in, in Sri Lanka. But yeah, it's not all, uh, you know, easy traveling it's you know you, you get the goods and the bads
0: well that's kind of the point i guess right i mean yeah,
1: that's what makes a good story yeah. <laughs> yeah because i noticed
0: obviously you didn't you didn't write about every destination i'm just wondering how did you choose about which destinations right i had to yeah there had to be a story there like you didn't exactly write about- so
1: i i went to more countries than i wrote about for a reason i didn't want to force a story I felt like that was important. I felt like would, you'd be able to tell that you were force, you know, forcing a story. So I just kind of let it happen, and it wasn't until I was done with the trip that I kind of mapped out what the best stories were.
0: Okay, you didn't write until after the trip.
1: I did a little bit of writing during the trip, but what I did was like the second half after Christmas, when I got back to like Cuba, I would write about the beginning when I knew that you know I wanted to write about Thailand or or whatever. So I would write i could write those but you know i i didn't want to limit myself i didn't want to say all right you have to come up with three stories in in panama you have to come up with three in um, Colombia, because that's that's not nobody would want to read that i wouldn't want to write that i don't want to force myself to write a story so
0: yeah how did you choose the destinations that you were going to visit were they just out of personal interest yeah how did you create your routing schedule for the year
1: so a few things i i wanted this trip to be about places that I had never been before. Um, Like I did, I did pop on over to Italy and Germany, but those are more like um, little layovers for a few days.
0: So vacation from your vacation.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You can say that. You can say that. Um, So like, yeah, um, Italy, Germany, places like that, just to kind of, uh, I wanted to go to Oktoberfest. It just, it just worked out that I could, I could get there. Um, But what I did was basically create a list of like, places that I wanted to go to that I had never been to. I made a list of like, you know, I I promised my mom that I would (laughs) not go to any, you know, dangerous countries, quote unquote, dangerous countries. Um, And, and then also a lot of it was thinking about which countries would create some good stories for low budget and high budget specifically. So you know, it was a lot of it was like I said, it was a, about a year of research that went into the whole thing. So yeah, kind of cross, cross referencing the lists of, you know, most expensive places, cheapest places, most dangerous places, safest places. I would go from there.
0: Yeah. Sometimes there's a, a limiting belief, I might call it, amongst travelers that may, maybe haven't had the hostile experience where they think, OK, well, that's only for young people. Right. That's only for like 18 to 22 year olds or something. You you were 38 when you took the trip. I still think that's young, but you know, I'm just speaking to this because I wanted you to talk a little bit about that as somebody, quote unquote, older, according to some people in hostels, which I've met people in hostels that are, you know, all the way up to 70, 80 years old. And I've met families and people traveling with kids. So that's why I call it a limiting belief. But I just wanted you to share your thoughts.
1: Yeah, um, the hostile life is, is it's not something that I was really too familiar with before I started the trip.
0: Okay, this was but, new to you. The whole yeah,
1: and, and like I even said at the beginning of the book, like I, I compare myself to a cuttlefish, and the point is I can kind of uh, I am fortunate enough to be able to blend into different environments. So like I get along with younger people, with old people, and it's it's not something that I, I feel uncomfortable with. But um, hostile life is something that I think that everyone should should experience at least once. Um, and if you're super uncomfortable with, you know, sharing a room or maybe even a bathroom with strangers, you always can opt for the the private room in a hostel. And it's like your own little private hotel room. Sometimes it even has your own bathroom. But if you're, if you're nervous about staying in a hostel, it's the, it's the way to go. But other than that, that's where you meet like people from, all around the world and when you're in a hostel there's no there really is no age there's really no race there's no it's it's, everyone is accepting and welcoming and most people are in the same boat you know if you're in a hostel it's either tends to be like you're by yourself maybe you're with one travel companion so everyone's like ready and willing to meet new people and that's it's just like so beautiful that everyone there is like so welcoming
0: yeah, it sounds like you don't have too much trouble meeting friends on the road. <laughs>
1: it's, it's a little bit of a curse, actually. Sometimes I forget where
0: this was, but you said within minutes, the once empty bar stools next to me were filled with my new best friends from Belgium. And you said it's it's been established already that I can make new best friends anywhere, be it while lying in a hospital bed or attending a particular tragic funeral. <laughs> I'm bringing this up because... I wanted you to share some tips about making friends on the road for people that may not consider themselves introverts or maybe it doesn't come as naturally to them, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. So uh, really I've listened to your podcast for for years and actually Jason, you're one of the reasons what, what led me to take this trip around the world, listening to your podcast, while traveling to work. Um, So I have to thank you for that. But you know, if you are a traveler, everyone kind of has the same, same thing about meeting new people. You have to just do it, whether you're, you know, sometimes you're lonely, but if you're not lonely, just be willing to meet new people. And the more willing you are, you know, let down that guard that, you know, it's just going to, more than likely it would just happen naturally. So be open and willing to meet new people. And usually it just happens, especially when you're traveling on the road. There are so many other people that are traveling by themselves. It's not really... a big American thing, but around the world, it's, you know, it's just what they do. A lot of people do just travel by themselves. Um, it's a foreign concept to a lot of Americans, but it's easier than you would think to meet new people. Just listen to them or, you know, ask them some simple questions and it just happens.
0: Yeah. Well, that goes back to the mindset thing, right? Like you said, the willingness is just, that starts from within, right? It's like, okay, I'm willing to put myself out there and meet some people today you know what are some of the other mindsets that changed for you as a result of this trip did you have any big uh i don't know revelations about yourself or the world or just like insights or any you know not to sound too dramatic but you (laughs) know these trips do impact your life i feel and you carry with them with you forever in some ways like you can't go traveling around the world for a year and have it not be just a part of you forever Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things is that it's um, being a teacher. Like I've I've taught elementary school, middle school, high school. There are just really really awesome kids at each grade level. Like teaching third grade, fourth grade. It's there were some kids that I would rather hang out with the, the fourth graders and some of the adults. You know, there's really awesome kids. <laughs> no matter what, it's like I teach middle school and people are like, oh my god, you teach middle school. That's rough. It's not that rough because a lot of the kids are really awesome kids. And then same with high school. You have seniors. Some of them are incredible, incredible people. But in each grade level, there's still, you know, a few people that are just, you know, they kind of of ruin things. And it's the same wherever you're traveling around the world. People are genuinely like really, really so much better, so much more like good than, than bad people out there. And so if you have that Mindset of people are not out to get you, you know. It's, I realize that so much more while traveling. Of course, there's people that that's what they do for a living is basically try to, you know, get tourists and get some money out of tourists, but it's not, they're not bad people. They just, that's what they do, you know, that's their job. That's
0: their job is running scams,
1: (laughs) right? Doesn't necessarily make them a bad person, yeah,
0: (laughs) right. How does a middle school teacher end up hanging out in a mansion with Justin Timberlake? By the way. Uh,
1: okay, so one of my friends was I got I started getting my uh, sommelier um, certification. I did level one. It was the hardest test. I'm a, ever I'm a
0: level one as well.
1: Uh, hey Jason, we gotta have some wine. <laughs> we gotta have some. Time. Barely passed. Jason, I literally <laughs> cheated. <laughs> 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 I mean, You don't want to tell the the board of sommeliers that, but... Oh, I I can't
0: remember anything, man. It was a while ago, but I remember cramming like crazy, you know, one of those like right before the test, you're just kind of like, you're hoping and praying that these terms and some of this knowledge just somehow sticks for another 20 minutes (laughs) before it disappears forever. It doesn't. (laughs) No, no, it
1: doesn't. (laughs) Wasn't it like the hardest test you've ever taken?
0: It was difficult. Yeah. And that was only level one. Level one. And, you know, I even met some master sommeliers. Like I've never seen, I thought it was almost like, yeah, this can't be real. Like somebody can't take a glass of wine and just like figure out everything about it just by smelling it and tasting it a few times. But they teach you the process and that's what they do. These master sommeliers, there's only like a couple hundred of them in the world or something. Yeah. And there was like four of them in the room or something. It was insane.
1: Yeah, so I basically during level one, I'm not sure if you would do the same thing, but it was like the the first person would taste it, and you're in a room with like I don't know, like 60 people, 50, 60 people, and you're dressed up in your suit and your your gown. You had to really dress up for it, and so the first person's supposed to like look at it, and they're supposed to tell the, the color of the wine and like if there's any like sediment or whatever. So easy, right? The second person has to like smell it and see what like they smell see what they smell. The third person tastes it. The fourth person has to guess what it is. How is that there? <laughs> it's like so I'm like counting the seats. I'm like, all right, this person's gonna smell, this person's gonna taste, this person and then all of a sudden they start with a bat was like right in this position I need to be in to like be the the smell the the um person that looks at it. <laughs> And then all of a sudden they started from the back. (laughs) I was, was, threw everything off and then I had to be the person that had to guess what it is after all that. It's like so unfair. (laughs) I was like, like, you're switching seats with me right now or I'm just walking out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you get it? I got it. Yeah, I got it. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Well, how did that lead to a mansion party?
1: Okay. Yeah. So my friend that I got the Samuelier certification with, she is, um, she works at a mansion in, uh, Mystic. And basically I was doing travel writing at the time and writing about some of the different places in Mystic. And she said, well, uh, the bodyguard called for Justin Timberlake and basically said, you know, we're, we're getting five of the six rooms in the mansion. Uh, do you want it? You know, can, is the speakeasy open. And really they were go- kind of going through some, um, not uh, construction at the time, but safety protocols, you know, tests for safety protocols. And so it wasn't technically open. And <laughs> so, but there was one room available and she's like, do you want to come and write about the mansion? You already have, you know, I already had talked about writing about the mansion. She's like, just come and write about the mansion because Justin Timberlake is coming and he has five rooms. We have one room left. Like who else is going to like, but, you know, so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go and do it. Just so you know, if, if Justin Timberlake wants to go down to the speakeasy, I'm going down to the speakeasy <laughs> with Justin Timberlake, and she's like, "Fine, deal." <laughs> and so, I got there like a half hour before Justin and and his wife arrived, and I was like drinking like a a, a martini in the in the room, you know, doing my work, writing my review, and and Justin comes in, and he's like, "Hey, man, where'd you get that martini?" <laughs> it's like, "Follow me," <laughs> and so we went right down to the speakeasy. And hung out for the rest of the night.
0: Nice. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. (laughs) Travel writing at least can lead to some cool things. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. Isn't that something you always wanted to do? Yeah. One one of the things that
1: I ask uh, all of my students, no matter what age, from fourth grade all the way to 12th, the first day of school, I always give them a survey. You know, what's your favorite song? What's your favorite band? What's your favorite TV show? Sport team? You know, all of those things. And I include always... What's your dream job? And when we're going over it together, I always, you know, ask, "Does anybody want to share what their, you know, favorite song is or favorite, favorite dream job or your dream job. And I always answer so they get to know me as well. And when it comes to the dream job, they were like, Oh, Mr. Jacobson, it's always like, it's like teaching. Right. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I love you guys, but no, it's, it's not. Um, and I always say that I either want it. I've always wanted to either write for like travel and leisure magazine or I'm a big music guy too, so like Rolling Stone magazine. So they're always like shocked to hear that, oh, this isn't your dream job. Like, no, it's not my dream job. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: so it's right. fine. They're like, but you're here for us. <laughs> How <laughs> dare you? Mean, you sir? It's like, it's a really traumatic experience for some of
0: them, <laughs> especially
1: day one of meeting. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's so, but they, you know, especially like back in the day when I started this, the this whole idea is, um, you know, there, I've had students reach out and be like, Mr. J, I'm so proud of you because, you know, I remember 10 years ago, you said that your dream job is to be a travel writer and, and you know, they got my book and I read the book and they would reach out to me and just say how proud they were of me. And that's pretty amazing to have students reach, you know, reach out to you and say they're proud of you. It's one of the most rewarding things that this whole experience has brought me.
0: Yeah. That's one of those things I feel that, you know, sometimes it's not even about, I don't know there's certain people that can inspire you in life just because they're going for it. You know, they didn't have to like coach you up or say anything or do anything. It's just like leading by example, almost right. I'm sure you've encountered people in your life like that, where you're just like, wow, that's just inspiring because they actually like are doing that thing or they went for it. I mean, I'm sure that's you for some people. Now.
1: Yeah, I, I do get that a lot. And that's that is honestly one of the one of the like greatest things that I've gotten out of this is people reach out to me and say, you know, I went here because of you or I'm traveling because of you or just inspiring in even if it's not about travel, it's you know, you have your dreams and your goals and you work towards them and you you know you can't accomplish them if you don't, you know, try. So I had a list I have a list of fifty things I want to do before I die. I started it like 15 years ago and one of them was to write a book one of them was you know travel the world and if it wasn't for actually writing out the list i don't think i would have done half of the things that i've actually done you know people have meant like bucket lists in their mind but once you write it out it's um you know that's when it becomes real and you crossing it off is like one of the best things
0: i love that is that taped up somewhere
1: I have it. I have a couple of um, documents. So what happened was, I was a man. I I've always I lived in a beach community. So I was a lifeguard for about eight years, became the beach manager for a few years, and then I've been bartending on the beach ever since. And one day we would um we would always kind of let the traffic disappear when I was managing, and there was a teeny little bar right next to us. We'd always go and have literally just one beer, and while the traffic like you know, died down. And one day we got there, a bunch of lifeguards, a bunch of managers. And just for one beer while the, while the, uh, traffic dies and the bartender says, guys, I'm so sorry. I can't serve you today because it's raining like in Connecticut, like far away, Connecticut, like North, Northwest Connecticut or somewhere far away. And we're like, so what? And she's like, well, that's where I live. And we're like, we've known this, this woman for years at the, at, at this moment. She's like, that's where we live. We're like, you live like two hours away? Like, why are you bartending here at this little hut? You know? And she's like, well, when I was like 20 years old, I wrote a list of 50 things to do before I died. And one of them was to bartend on the beach. And I was like, oh my, this is like before like the whole bucket list phrase. And I was like, what? And so I literally walked back to the beach, went into the office and I sat down and I wrote my 50 things. And since that day, that day like literally changed my life. So I have a tattoo right on am wrist that says, live your list. So, wow! It's always there to kind of Can I see that?
0: that?
1: Yeah, right yeah. here.
0: I don't know. If... Oh yeah, right on your wrist yeah. there.
1: Yeah, live your list.
0: Wow, talk yeah. about a daily reminder.
1: Yeah, that's the that's the daily reminder. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. And yeah, I mean, well, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, right? It's like. Just one conversation. Go have a beer. You talk to this bartender. She just drops that bit of knowledge. You're like, mind blown. Now your life's changed forever, right?
1: Literally, I was like, my jaw, uh, you know, it's so cliche for my jaw. Like, literally, I, it, it was like dislocated. <laughs> I don't know. because it it's before the whole bucket list <laughs> bucket list thing. It's like such an easy... Now, it's like everyone knows about the bucket list. But back then, this is like probably almost, I don't know, even like 20, 20 years ago. And it was just...
0: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, this is. Could this be a challenge for people listening to write this out? For myself included, I have different things written in different places, but I don't think I have it on one piece of paper, sort of consolidated and figured out. I mean, maybe because I'm afraid to commit to whatever X number of things because they might, things I might want to do change, but you can always swap them out, right? I mean, well.
1: Sorry. So Jason, what she did was every time she had 50 things and every time she did one, she would cross it off and add a new one. And I'm like, well, then you're going to die with 50 things on your list. (laughs) What's the the point of that? So I, what I do is I had my 50 things and then once a year. So like every June I look at the list and I say, is there anything that I want to do more now this year than I wanted to do last year? And I can, I can kind of swap them out. But once I do something, now it's like, you know, after I did the first thing, now there's only 49 spots, 48 spots. I think now I'm down to like 28 spots. But what that helps you do is it helps you like uh, work towards those more difficult things. So if I always have 50 things on my list, then I'm, I'm going to do the easier things first, you know. And, and the older you get, you have the less spots available. And it helps you to pri- prioritize a little bit more about what you actually really want to do. With your life.
0: Yeah. Well, what are some of the things on there that are hard, in your opinion, to attain? Or well, a, a lot of them
1: are, are multi-steps. Like, one is to go to all seven continents. So, that was a little bit difficult. Some of them I make, like, easy that I could do right now if I, you know, focus and try it. Like, one of them was to watch all 100 of the greatest movies of all time. Just because I, I felt like I hadn't seen, like, movies like Gone with the Wind or Casablanca or... And so I sat down. It took me like two years, but I, I watched all 100 of the greatest movies of all time.
0: Was it worth it? Was, it?
1: <laughs> oh, my God, definitely. So then, Jason, I actually ranked all 100 of them. Like, okay, well, what's all, the number one? My favorite movie of all time is It's a Wonderful Life.
0: So okay, that's, yeah. that's... You're a positive yeah, that, guy. That makes sense. Yeah. That's a cool, though. I mean, yeah, it's not all obviously travel-related. You got uh, What else is on there? What, what's some other... What are some other ones that stand out to you? Do you have anything crazy like I want to go to space or something? Or-
1: oh, okay. My that's really funny that you. I did just a, a, apply applied to go like on a a voyage to the moon. <laughs> so I would. It was really. I'm laughing because I met some kid like a couple weeks ago, and he was talking with my cousins, and he was going to like school to become like an astronaut. Or you know, when I was rushing, so I was like leaving somewhere and they're like, I was like, Oh, so what do you do? Like real quick. And he's like, Oh, I'm like trying to become an astronaut. And I said, Hey, I just applied to go to the moon. And I walked out and that woman's like, what? <laughs> 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 I just applied to go to the moon. Who says that? It's like the stupidest. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like looking like what? And my cousins are like, yep,
0: he did. Where do you, where do you apply to go to the moon?
1: who knows i saw it somewhere it's like um some mission where they're taking like eight civilians to the moon okay (laughs) hey man you never know yeah i know but i'd probably be be really scared out of my mind doing it but who knows
0: nah you'd be fine yeah so
1: one (laughs) of them was to be on a game show i did that so i don't know i've done i'm basically almost ready to die jason (laughs) (laughs) i was on let's make a deal
0: oh really did you win anything
1: I want to no, I, I want a donkey on a skateboard. <laughs> a real donkey. <laughs> yeah. They give you a check for it at the end, but yeah, no, I got like zonked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's cool. I mean, because yeah, just having it on the list. I mean, if it's not on the list, you're not going to apply to be on a game show and you're never going to be on one.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's why thing. I literally went to LA. I applied to the thing. You, they kind of, you know, they meet with you first. They don't just randomly choose people from the audience. You know, they want to make sure they're going to be a lively character or a willing, a willing contestant. And so, yeah, if I didn't have it on the list to be on a game show, I wouldn't have, I never would have done it. The same thing with the travel, I've, or reading a book and traveling around the world. It's, um, it's just having the goals, knowing what your goals are, knowing what's important to you, and just doing it.
0: Now, a quick word from our sponsors Would you love to have an incredible, Sign up over there at com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Let's get back to the show. Writing a book's hard.
1: It's so hard. But the Jason, I have to admit, the format that I had, it basically wrote itself. It's like my form, when your format is so like, uh, chapter one is a low budget. My one story that happened on a low budget in Portugal. Chapter two is one story that happened on a moderate budget in Portugal. And chapter three is one story that happened on a luxury budget budget in portugal yeah but so, man the
0: book doesn't write itself so don't sell yourself short you know you oh, still have to thanks, d- d- down and uh get down and dirty get some time in front <laughs> of the screen and also you're doing that yeah i mean well what was it like going back to school i'll ask you that after this year was that tough uh, um,
1: yeah going back to school was um i, I was actually kind of welcoming a, a set schedule for a little bit you know and i always have something else in mind like i'm already planning my next my next trip And, um, so knowing that it's only, and, and I do love my job, even teaching. I love that. I probably won't be doing it too much longer. Um, but I do love it. So it was not that hard going back. I was, I was welcoming a set schedule of, you know, health wise and, you know, just having a normal like life (laughs) for a little bit. Um, so it was, it was okay. It wasn't that traumatic. I did still have like a haircut from, India. So they were like, what is this guy's <laughs> like, i literally like a Mohawk. <laughs> so I probably scared a few kids that are the cool minute, but... teacher, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. For a little bit.
0: Well, you mentioned that you might not be doing it for much longer. Why?
1: Well, I did just start like a, a, like a, my own like kind of travel company. So to help people plan their, their trips, Mr. Brightside travel, um, you know, to kind of go along with the, the book. Um, so ideally that's what I want to do. I want to keep writing. I want to, um, write more books and, you know, focus more on the travel, but I'm not want to get
0: into the travel thing full time,
1: full time. Yeah. I'm not in a huge rush. And like I said, I'm, I'm going to miss teaching when I've been doing it for 17 years. Um, I'm not in a huge rush. It's just when it happens, it happens. And, um, I want to make sure that I'm as good as I can be at the travel business before I, you know, dive in full time. So I'm kind of just doing starting slow and then, um, hope to make it full time.
0: Very cool, man! Congratulations! And all right, so well, I want to answer this question because you posed that question at the end of your uh, synopsis and your book. It, it's about well, you know kind of exploring who has a more fun, authentic travel experience when you're on these different budgets. What are your takeaways from that? You know, if people listening and they're. Considering different budget levels and what that might mean for their travel experience. You know, I know there's a lot going on in each of those budget categories and a lot of differences, but yeah, I would just love to hear your kind of main takeaways about the different tiers of budgets.
1: Right. So if you're, if you're somewhere that is um, able to do this, it's each, I can't recommend it enough because each budget level has their own perks. So I personally, at the end of all of it loved like the low budget days. Um, You know, I was writing about it and so I, I kind of had to stick to the parameters. I mean, if you're, if you're traveling on a budget um, you might need to do the same thing, but the low budget days allow you to do those luxury budget days. So even if you think that you can't do it, uh, you know, if you just play around with your budget a little bit, it's, it's probably going to be within your, within your means to have a couple of nights at those luxurious places. But, um, I'm a people person and I loved the hostel life. And ideally, if you, uh, if hostels scare you, a private room in a hostel is like the way to go. You get, you meet all of the new people you, you know, you have the, the perks of hostel living, but you have your own privacy, you know, and older the, the older you get, the more you value that privacy. Um, but what I would do is I would basically reach out to the the people that I met at the hostel, you know, 90% of the time I was traveling by myself and I'd say, you know, hey guys, I have this luxury place uh down in uh, over in Chiang Mai. Anybody want to come? And they're like, "Of course." You know, if you're staying in hostels for you would just want to stay there like, somebody yeah. offers you stay like a stay at like a luxury resort, you're going to you're going to take it. So, yeah. yeah. You
0: know. So you brought so, your hostel friends with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would bring my hostel friends with me
0: yeah. Yes. yeah I was wondering because uh, you know all of this whole thing is self-imposed right so if you know you're six months seven months into your trip and you're just like you know what I don't feel like staying at a luxury resort but I have to did you ever just say screw it I'm not doing it in this country or you know we're not going to like shame you for, for doing that it's your hard right. money so <laughs>
1: you know just be honest
0: <laughs> no, I think it would be tough uh, to stick to that all, all, for a whole year
1: Yeah. That was the tough part. The tough part was I was so specific with four days, four days, four days. Um, so I, what I did was I planned two 12 day visits a month. So then I had like an extra week of either traveling to somewhere new or staying somewhere. So say I would stay at a hostel for four days and then I would kind of move on. If I like, fell in love with that hustle maybe i would go back and spend that was your flex
0: time so you could just do whatever you want then
1: yeah yeah so i had i built that in about a week of building uh built in off time and so that's when i would go back and really do what i what i really wanted to do and some of the luxury places like it's once you once i kind of got the story um there's no need that's what i'm there for is to you know get get stories and let them happen naturally. So if it happened on the first night, second night of a luxury stay, you know, I don't need to, I don't need to be pampered <laughs> for four yeah. days. <laughs> yeah. So, you like it. <laughs> I do like
0: it. <laughs> yeah. But in the end, you thought the the budget travel was more for you.
1: It's, it's, um yeah, I still do like those, those days of the luxury. I think that if you even just get rid of the moderate, whole moderate budget thing. And if you do like, if you're going away for say seven nights, um, four, five nights, you know, I say rough it in a hostel, but it's not, it's, it's nothing that's like uh, torturous, (laughs) you know, It still can be enjoyable and there's plenty of stuff to do on a low budget. Like, um, when you're traveling, like free tours, and there's so many things to do. And by, by following those parameters of a low budget, it really helped me to like actually force myself to go out and, do uh the sightseeing stuff that maybe i wouldn't normally do if i wasn't on a low budget
0: yeah what are some of your favorite resources that you used on a trip or just in general help help you travel help you out on the road
1: um so i started i used i mean obviously the zero to travel podcast is my number one come on i wasn't fishing for a
0: compliment (laughs) there I'll take it. I don't know about that. <laughs> I really wasn't. <laughs> but I know. I know. <laughs> if somebody's still listening to this interview, then you don't have to sell them. They're already.
1: Yeah. There you go. yeah. <laughs> so, um you know, I try I just use I Pneumatic Matt. I'm a big fan of pneumatic Matt. Um I go to his seminars and things like that. Um You know, I don't really. I just kind of. I almost like to just go and explore and not, you know, not research a place too much before I get there because I want to experience it how I, you know, how I see it. It's the same thing with teaching. It's like I don't want to know about um, your experiences with this child last year. I'm going to build my own experiences with him, and you know, make my own make my own opinion of you know his behavior. And you know, some kids are maybe problematic with one teacher but then they come to you the next year and they're they're angels you know it's a personality thing and you know having these preconceived notions of of people or places is not really I like to you know kind of formulate my own opinion so
0: yeah I love that and maybe something we should all do a little bit more of you know where everybody's changing all the time you know even some friends we don't see them for a while and you just I think it's easy to see a friend that you've known for a long time and just think of them as like sort of this static personality. It's like, Oh, there's, you know, so-and-so, but it's like, well, we're not the same. So they're not the same. So it's just really like, you almost get to not reinvent the friendship, but it's just like, yeah, just try to see it with fresh eyes. It's, it's nice. I love that philosophy. I have to give, give you props because, uh, I mean, teachers, man, round of applause for teachers, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. Well, Anna Barton on a, on a, really popular beach in the summer. So it's basically the same thing. Where? It's like, uh, in the in Rhode Island. Okay. The Andrea.
0: Cool. So if anybody's in that area, they should come chat with you.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Come to the Andrea, ask for Ryan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you You're have bartending on a beach on your bucket list as well? Is that how you ended I up did.
1: there? Of course, Jason, remember how the story started. Yeah. <laughs> right. and, I mean, is
0: that, that, is that why you added yeah. that? Yeah.
1: Um, I don't know. Yeah, probably. I think I've always wanted to do that, but I, yes, I, that was like the first thing I put was to become a bartender on the beach. And so one other thing I do is, um, it was obviously visit all 50 States, but then like the whole visit thing, it got like, people are like, well, does flying, does landing in an airport count or does driving through the state count. Does it count if I was there when I was a little kid? So what I, my goal now is I want to do, um, a little shot in all 50 States, And I buy the shot glass of this. I have to buy it that says the name of the state. And then I have to actually have to take it to like an actual bartender and make a human connection and chat with them and tell them what I'm doing. But what I started doing recently is I always buy an extra shot glass and then anybody that's at the bar, I make them do it with me. And then that starts their kind of journey. of. And then you give it to them and give it to them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Beautiful, man. I love these ideas you come. I mean, I feel like yeah, these things really open up conversations travel in a different way. Just coming up with a yeah, I mean, that's like a a simple sort of I don't want to say hook, but it's just like a small thing you can you're going to visit all 50 states anyway, but you're like, "Oh, well, I'll do this thing while I'm doing it." And then it in, involves other people, and then it's a chance to connect and they get excited about it. I'm a huge fan of uh kind of having that as part of your travels if, if you can or you want to, right? It, it can really open things up in a different way, I feel.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, just a whole mindset, really.
0: Yeah. How do you deal with drunk people as a bartender?
1: <laughs> Same way I deal with elementary, uh, middle school children. <laughs> I kind of make them. Feel, I, I think that's what makes me such a good bartender is that I'm a teacher. So I I have a way of showing the disappointment on my face (laughs) (laughs) so they kind of go hand in hand that's hilarious he just make really good bartenders like i'm I'm so disappointed in you dude
0: (laughs) yeah well all right so if you go to rhode island and you see like one or two people standing in the corner facing the wall (laughs) for a period of minutes you're gonna know why now
1: (laughs) that bartender must be a teacher yeah (laughs) awesome
0: I do want to give props to the teachers. When I was in fifth grade, I remember Mrs. Gallagher was my teacher and she came back and she told us all about her trip to Ireland. Showed us pictures, showed us where it was on the map. And that was the first time I realized that there was, you know, truly realized that there was other stuff out there to see. And I remember I remember that vividly. And then I guess I came home, my mom tells a story. I remember coming home and she... It was like, yeah, you kept going on and on about like Mrs. Gallagher's trip to Ireland and how like people lived there and everything. So teachers are often the gateway to many things in life, great things. So thank you for your service as a teacher. No matter how much longer you go, you're doing awesome things there. So thanks, buddy. We should remind everybody about your book and everything, right? Do you want to give everybody the rundown on where they can find you, connect with you, all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, sure. I'm, uh, um, the book is, I'm in Amazon exclusive, um, at the moment. So it's, uh, the adventures of Mr. Brightside on Amazon. Um, and then on Instagram, just Ryan Jacobson 21 and my travel website if you need help traveling is, uh, Mr. Brightside com.
0: Yeah. And you better make sure, I hope the killers don't come after you one day. Like, Hey, you you can use this Mr. Brightside thing.
1: Jason, I almost kind of want it to happen so I can meet
0: them. That was kind of the idea behind the whole thing. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, I mean, put it on your put it on your list, man.
1: Uh, oh, number literally number one is to meet Brandon Flowers. <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and then just say uh, what? Then what would you say? Oh, uh, geez, I'm so Mr. Right. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Brandon, if you're listening to this show, I mean, we'll try to get him on the show. Okay. All right. let's see gonna, what you can do,
1: Jason. Hook me yeah, up. see
0: what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for your time, man, and uh, pleasure chatting with you. I hope we can uh, connect in, in person at some point. Come over to Norway.
1: Oh, yeah. No, so the, after my next European thing, I'm, I'm planning on doing a Nordic thing, so...
0: Everything's a luxury yeah. budget here.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's what it's going to be. I'm going to have to, like, sleep outside for a few days. Just.
0: <laughs> uh, well, hit me up, man. You know, we got a couch here, so...
1: Sounds good, Jason. You are the man.
0: (laughs) All right. Thanks for your time.
1: All right. Thanks, buddy.
0: There you have it. Thank you to Ryan for stopping by the show, for being a part of this listening community, and for sharing his story. I was shocked when I saw that tattoo on his wrist. Live the list. Talk about getting serious with uh, your dreams, your goals, your aspirations. Not just taking the time to write it down, but to tattoo it on your wrist. That was pretty cool, I thought. And I loved the question he asked his students the first day of school, outside of who's your favorite band and all those things to get to know them, that idea of what is your dream job? What's your dream job? Maybe that's something that we should all think about from time to time because... The answer to that question changes or can change over time. And it shouldn't, you know, questions like that shouldn't just be reserved for those youngsters coming up, right? We should have those questions for ourselves, no matter what age we are. Those questions can serve as great reminders for our lives, where we may be right now, where we might be headed, where we may want to go. In the future, never bad to ask those big questions. So there's a little challenge for you coming out of this show to answer the question, what is your dream job? Maybe you're living it. Good for you. Maybe you're not. If not, maybe you can think about how you might be able to do that in the near future. Who knows? You know, for me, this has always been a dream job, what I'm doing right now. I love this podcast, love this community. There's a reason I've been doing it for eight years, because I've always been passionate about, well, I shouldn't say always, but since I started traveling and hearing about all the different ways you can travel, wanting to let people know that want to travel all of these different ways and sharing these stories and giving people the chance to take that information and make their travel dreams a reality. I know that sounds a little bit sort of pie in the sky, maybe cliche simplistic, but it's true. So in that way this podcast this is part of my dream job and I get to do that because of you. So thank you very much. Once again, I just want to close out with a little bit of gratitude for you today, my friend, and wherever you're at in the world. Hope all is well. I'm going to pull a quote out of the quote drawer right now. And let's see what we got here. Um, sorry, my, my drawer is a, a mess, it turns out. I to fumble around. There we go. All right. What do we got? From Yoga Bajan. Make yourself so happy so that when others look at you, they become happy too. (laughs) That's awesome. Great way to close it out. Have a wonderful day. And I'll see you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.